Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network the Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, Slurds. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 70. This week, I'll be going over the books that were, were re-released. Oh, that was a lot of... Whew. Uh, that was tough. The books that were released on the 4th of March, 2020, as well as talking about other things relevant to the world of comic books. So, full disclosure, this is mostly a spoiler-based podcast. I'm going into these books. I'm not just talking about how I felt about them. It's not that kind of podcast. I'm telling you what's happening. Um, so, but I do leave, uh, the, um, in the description, I leave timestamps. So if there's stuff you're not ready to have spoiled for you yet, I do make it easy to, to skip forward to the proper spot. Um, beyond all that, eh, this isn't necessarily a safe-for-work podcast, so if you're looking for Fluffy Duffy, this ain't it, man. I'm gonna drop some, some, uh, some F-words more than likely. So, all that has been said, I'm gonna talk a little bit of, uh, well, before I dive into all this, the news and the lotto and all that, I wanna talk sponsors. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that the Cheers to Comics podcast does have some pretty proud fucking sponsors and they didn't tell me not to cuss before their things so yeah um all thankfully you know this is through nsc live tv so these people all have channels on nsc live tv uh, i'm gonna name a couple of them you know i got a couple of reads here i'm gonna talk about as soon as i can find a mirror on my computer that i'm looking at um where are we at i'm so lost oh my god there we go hooked on comics this is the one I <laughs> I like Hooked on Comics. Uh, if you're a member of the Cheers to Comics Facebook group, shameless plug, uh, <laughs> you, you've you've probably seen Hooked on Comics in the, the you know the little live streams they do. Well, they ain't just little live streams. They're selling the crap out of some books. So uh, every Tuesday and Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays and 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays, Mary, uh, Mary and then John and his goofy hats, they have the whole wall of slabs. They got the bin room. Of course, there's an auction because NSC Live TV is your home for the best in auction action. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how they came aboard there. 
Um, so yeah, no, definitely, definitely check them out for their comic Super Sales. Uh, you know, you can find them on NSCLiveTV.com. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. They have their Facebook page. And like I said, usually when their stuff goes up, I'm pretty on top of making sure that they, uh, um, you know, I, I share their, their live stream in the Cheers to Comics Facebook group as well. So there's more than one reason to join that Facebook group. And there's all type of comics being sold, guys. Everything from new and old. So there you have it. Uh, they, <laughs> I can't recommend... Hooked on comics enough. Also, from the NSCLiveTV.com family, we've got Sarge. Oh, Sarge. Um, well, Sarge here. Uh, Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. So this is Raul and Donna. Raul, he is a, uh, a United States Air Force veteran. He's a, he's a real badass. He's flipping some comics, man. He's been doing... He's not been flipping comics since he was six, but he's been into comics since he was six. And then together, him and his powerhouse of a duo of a wife-couple-marriage-together thingy, uh, they team up and they've been knocking comics together for 20 years. So they know their stuff. And uh, so, yeah, you got Donna and Raul. Check them out on Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and that's channel 15 of NSCLiveTV.com. Of course, same deal. I'm throwing out the, f uh, the, the Facebook group feeds and all of that stuff, the live auctions. It's mostly done through Facebook, so that's the best place to f find them. Excuse me, but the NSCLiveTV.com links all lead to that channel, so there you go. But there's one thing that I can't not mention about Sergeant and the Commander Auctions, and that's the $3 poll. And what the three, $3 Donna poll, sorry, I missed that. Um, the, so the, the winner of that, and I would imagine it has something to do with, hey, here's three bucks, and Donna pulls your name, and you're going to get yourself a slabbed comic. So for $3, you have the opportunity to get a slabbed comic. That's huge, because Slab Comics, I mean, they're obviously eating a bunch of money on that, and that's that's just love. That's love for their people, so there you have it. Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. Um, yeah, amazing comics, man. All types of good stuff from all different eras and genres, and mm, I mean, when you got a guy that's been doing this for, I mean, over 20 years, and since he was six years old, this is this is a big deal. This is a big deal. So uh, I, I highly, highly recommend them as well. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna get on with my, my portion of the show here. Thanks again, NSCLiveTV.com, for providing these amazing sponsors and high-quality sponsors at that. This ain't West Coast Geek. There's a deep cut for you. Um, let's talk comics, baby. Before we dive into last week's overviews and books, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of news. There was an abundance of things to talk about, but man, I think I I, I, I think they're, it's all worth mentioning. This podcast may string on a little bit longer than usual, but we'll see. I'll try to make this quick. Um, uh, let's start with uh, let's start with some Wonder Woman news. Nothing too huge, but I find this creative team to be very appealing. Mariko Tamaki and Mikhail Janine, um, they're teaming up on Wonder Woman from issues number seven hundred and fifty nine on. So, I'm a big fan of Mariko Tamaki as a writer. Huge fan of that X-23 run. Um, and Mikkel Janine is just a monster, a beast. Super underappreciated as far as pencilers go in the industry. So, there you go. Uh, very newsworthy. 
Um, DC, they're pulling out of, they're pulling out. There are uh, no, no, no March cons for DC. I'm sure this is all, you know, along the whole, they don't want to be asked questions about what's going on with the whole, uh, um, you know, DDO and all of that. I don't know. I would only assume it has to do with evading all that. So um, I don't blame them. That's cool. They could do that. They're DC. They're, gonna, they're not going to not sell books because of it. Um, you know, they're still allowed to make announcements otherwise, and, uh, yeah, some announcements they have made. Let's talk about a couple more DC announcements, mostly DC news this week, but, um, hmm, let's talk, uh, let's talk Tinian. Tinian, old James Tinian the fourth, he has teased another new character. Hmm, look at him, just, uh... Laying his dick down on the old, uh, <laughs> the Batman imprint. I'm cool with that. Sounds like this character may or may not stick. Um, that, that's, uh, and I know that's not very, uh, <laughs> that doesn't say much. Um, who, who knows? Who knows? They're teasing him early, but I, I can't see him throwing out another big character like Punchline this early. So, apparently, um, somewhere along the, the story arc that will be known as the Joker War, the Tinian the Fourth is going to be writing in the Batman um, ongoing. It's going to be taking place this summer. We're going to get a new character by the name of Clown Hunter. So, subscribe now. We don't need ourselves another little punchline incident, do we? Don't think so. Um, more DC news. This is big stuff. Uh, this, this is huge stuff. This is probably the biggest news DC could pull off. And this is finally giving us a release date for the first issue of the very long tease since 2000 and the year 16, Three Jokers. So Three Jokers by Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. It is happening. It's a three-issue black label thing. Um, it's stemming from a, uh, a Justice League story previous... Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously this is, a uh, apparently this is going to be the explanation of how there's been, why there's been, um, who there's been, maybe? Uh, I know that term, that didn't make sense, but you get the idea. Three Jokers. Three motherfucking Jokers. It's happening, y'all, supposedly, and Jason Fabok assures us that there will be no delays. Because I would imagine it's probably fucking long done by now, uh, and they've just been sitting on it. There we go. I feel better. So there we go. That's all the DC news. Plenty of it. Plenty of it. But I'm going to wrap up the news segment here with something massive. Most of it won't find it nearly as massive as the three Jokers. But this is something that has been bothering me. Yes, there's something about Hickman's X-Men that's been bothering me. Big time. And that is the, the, the dryness, the lack of Gabby Scout. Uh, formerly known as Hunter ba Honey Badger. Uh, so, well, you know, uh, who, who, where does she belong? And what X-Book could she possibly be a part of? You know, you know they, did, they were doing Fallen Angels for a while, but that was just a little six-parter. That, 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 that's done. Um, I don't know if it was canceled or, you know, whatever, but, yeah. Um, I felt like it was complete and just led to something in the future, but my, my point to that ramble is that there was a Laura. But no Gabby. Well, alas, Gabby cometh, and that would be through the pen of the brilliant and my favorite ex-writer at this point in time, Benjamin Percy, who's bringing Gabby apart. 
or to be, be a part of at least one issue of X-Force, and that's going to be very soon, X-Force number 9, I'm so fucking stoked, guys, nerds, slurds, sorry, I don't mean to call you nerds, I don't, yeah, slurds, you're slurds, uh, <laughs> oh, man, um, you know, if there wasn't a little baby in the next room sleeping, I would probably be, uh, um, having to do some, some minor, minor, some major, uh, audio tuning <laughs> in post because of my, my, uh, overwhelming excitement for this. My, my, my tone and voice does no justice whatsoever. Um, this is, uh, Gabby's my favorite X-Men. Um, and I know she's not really an X-Men. She's my favorite, she's my favorite mutant. Colossus is my favorite X-Men next to Xavier. But that's, that's not the point. Um, Gabby's the shit. Uh, she's, she's, I just think she's the deepest character, and Tom Taylor created gold, while all the more affirming the fact that Tom Taylor is the greatest thing happening in comics right now. I don't know why more people aren't talking about him, but the fact is, is that Benjamin Percy, my new favorite X-Men writer of, well, at least Dawn of X writer, let me, let me phrase it that way, um, yeah. X-Force, my favorite book. How perfect is this? What did I do to deserve this comic book, gods? Oh, oh, just, okay, thanks. Uh, no, and I'll just keep doing that. So, that's the news. That's the news. Lots of stuff. Uh, honestly, I could have kept scrolling. I probably could have got more, but I didn't. I didn't on account of time, and I thought that that was all great, great stuff to talk about. Three Jokers, come on. Gabby's coming back via Benjamin Percy, via X-Force. Come on. This is beautiful. How beautiful is it to be a fucking comic book goddamn reader right now, son of a bitch? All right. Well, you know what? Let's, uh, that's the news. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit of speculation, huh? You know, there's some speculators out there, and, you know, I'm going to preface, preface, say it wrong the first time, every time. I'm going to preface by saying I'm not a huge fan of those that speculate just modern books, uh, new books, you know, I, 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 pick them up for yourself, pick them up as a piece of history, but don't be that guy that goes through and clears out the shelf just so that you have them all, or be the real cuckold that goes through and damages all the books because there's a limit one per customer on hot books. Um, but with that being said, I do, I, I am a person that does pick up a book that is hot, um, and, but that's, that's really just for the, uh, the, the, the point of maintaining that, that, that piece of history in comic books, and that's just how much I respect the industry, and so, um, that's really what this segment is more about, but, uh, let's be fair, let's all be honest here. There's money to be made if books become key issues. As soon as the first so-and-so appears in the first Disney Plus Whatchamadingy, then that book's gonna flare up like a fucking case of herpes in Amsterdam. And, yeah, and you know, it's, it's what it is. Um, so, we can't deny it. So, with that being said, I call this yes segment Speculation Lottery. None of these books that I mention um, are promised to gain value. Let's face it, you can't promise anything in comics, really. That's just, you know, that's just fact. But, these are books that, you know, had some things happen that could potentially gain some steam down the road. So, uh, I'm gonna start out with the low-hanging fruit. The obvious one... We've got Batman number 90. We've got a big first appearance here. This is a character that was uh, cameoed in, was it Batman? 
what was it? Hell Arisen? No, that was the that was the first appearance. Um, Batman '89. That was the one. <laughs> Duh. Um, yeah, Batman '89 was the cameo. Fuck. What is this character's name? I gotta flip through my notes here. I'm driving me nuts. It should be on the first page. But I've been doing some interviewing tonight, y'all. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, designer. That's the one. So designer. This, but I don't know. I mean, it could stick around. It's got a cool origin that goes to this this first appearance here. So. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I have faith. I like the idea of the character. I like what he set up. I like the fact that he's been low-key a big part of the, the Batman mythos for a long time without anybody knowing it. So, yeah, there we go. Um, some some Marvel lotto numbers. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Marvel. Miss Marvel number 13. We got a first appearance of Amulet. So Amulet is a new character. Hence the, the the first appearance thingy. <laughs> Fucking dub, Brian. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, Amulet. Doing all of that good stuff. I, I don't know. I, I admittedly, I, I have it on my list. Uh, I, so I, I have the issue, but honestly, I haven't read it. I'm, I'm way behind on Miss Marvel, admittedly. But, you know, I'm lucky enough to get it. We'll see if it sticks. We'll see if it sticks. We know Miss Marvel's going to be a thing here soon, so who knows how how fresh the characters are going to be thrown into the cinematic universe that she will be a part of. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the third and final pick that I'm going to throw out here as far as a lotto draft is going to be from Strange Academy. Strange Academy number one, Scotty Young has introduced a plethora of new young magic users, uh, the names of which I will refrain from saying until the overview of the podcast, so if you want to know exactly who these these first appearances are, you're going to have to to go ahead and wait for all that, you know, here later in the podcast, but uh, just because there's, there's like three to five of them, I don't know, there's at least, there's at least three, I want to say there's four of them though. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, uh, I, I, f- I feel like this, this book has a lot of potential here, and I feel, I feel like Scotty Young may have created this, this cool new universe, and I, f- these, these characters really could stick around. We'll see. We'll see. Um, that, that's all I got for the, the lotto picks. I'm sure there's more stuff, I know, if you follow the Key Comics Collector's app, or whatever the fuck it's called, you may, uh, you may say, well, what about this, and this, and this, they mention this, I, I don't know, it's, um, I, I find a lot of that stuff to be kind of reaching, and maybe I did miss something, admittedly, I don't know, but a lot of the stuff that's on there, yeah, I don't know, it really is kind of a reach, so, these are the three that I find really could actually stick, and I believe Batman number 90 may actually already have gained a little interest financially on the, uh, on the flipper market, I don't know, we'll see, uh, like I said, I don't really condone flipping new books, but, I don't know, whatever, whatever, if it keeps people interested in comics, I guess that's the thing, just keep in mind, it's not great for stores, just, just know that, there is a price to be paid, just like with any magic, uh, but, um, all right, that'd be the lotto, uh, you know, it's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk some, let's talk some comics, man, the, the, the 4th of March brought us some beautiful things, what do we got here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 of them, 12 bangers, I loved all of these books so much, um, I'm gonna start out with DC, like I promised, I got three of them from DC, this is a small DC week for me, but, uh, yeah, you know, whatever, uh, small, but dense, dense and heavy, so let's just get right into it, huh, let's talk, uh, let's talk some Strange Adventures, Strange Adventures number one, Tom King is back with Mitch Gerard's, 
and um, well, uh, who else did we have on here? Uh, Evan Shaner, that's the guy. Mitch Gerards, Gerards, Gerards. I always say the name wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Gerards, even though I, yeah, <laughs> swear by Gerards for the longest time. Whatever, Brian. No one cares. Uh, Mitch Gerards, he did the cover that I picked up, cover A. Now. Uh, before I dive into this, I gotta you know, I gotta say I was a little skeptical, but I also know what the success of Vision and uh, Mr. Miracle were, and I'll tell you what I'm gonna go ahead and say it right off the bat this this book is fucking awesome, it, it's told very well. I, I let's uh, it's Adam Strange and he's back he's on a book tour, he just saved the world he saved a planet the planet known as Ran, and this is the home planet of his wife and daughter. Now, the Ran, they were invaded by the Picts. That's another very, uh, it's, it's a race of aliens that are very uh, hostile, if you will, and a huge threat. But Adam Strange, he saved the day. But, you know, some, there's some things that went down, and unfortunately, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a couple people that don't really buy the fact that he was the hero that he is uh, perceived to be. And this goes off, you know, this is all brought to light when this maniac and uh, the line of the book signing goes off and says, oh, we know what really happened there, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, uh, it goes viral and, you know, people start questioning, well, what the fuck? So the publicist got to kick in and they got to do their thing to try to, you know, make Adam Strange look good. But unfortunately for him, it, it just gets real, real, real bad when that same guy that went off is found to be dead in an alley with a th and by means of a laser beam to the head. <laughs> so people immediately start thinking, oh, well, fucking, that's, that's, that's crazy. Adam Strange gets called out by this prick for not being as great as he says he is, and then this prick gets deaded by, well, uh, seemingly the guy that he was talking shit about, so hmm, not so good. Well, at this point, uh, Adam Strange, he's, he's Adam. I didn't do any of this. I didn't do any of this shit. And yeah, I'm going to prove it. So he goes to Batman. Motherfucking Batman. He says, Batman, I want you and your detective skills and your non-biasedness to prove my innocence. Here's everything you need to know, blah, blah, blah. He gives him, you know, the fucking his, his blaster gun and all that shit. And Batman hands it back to him and says, Nah, dog, I can't do this non-biased. We've been through too much together and... Yeah, that's just, uh, but I, I, I got a guy. I got a motherfucking guy. Hang tight. And, uh, this guy, he goes by the name of Michael. And that's what happens. Michael shows up. <laughs> and we just see a shadow. We don't know who this Michael is. I don't know. I, I'm, uh, um, there pro there's probably a few people out there going, Duh, Brian, it's fucking Michael. Blah, 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 blah. But unfortunately, it just it, uh, hasn't clicked with me who this Michael could be. But the fact is, is it's a shadowy figure by the name of Michael, who's about to be detective in like a motherfucker trying to prove Adam Strange right. Um, or wrong for that matter. I don't know. We'll see. I, f I fucking fell in love with this book right off the bat. See, now I was afraid... I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a, a side note here. When I read Mr. Miracle, I read it in trade form. I didn't read it in issues. So and as after I finished it in trade, I couldn't imagine having to wait month to month in between issues on that book. That I just said it would have been it had to have been bingey. So when I went into this one, I thought, well, should I even read issue one, or should I just have faith and just collect all twelve issues to have them, and then just wait for the trade to be out and do a trade negotiation on it. 
and um, so far, I could say after reading issue one, I find it all to be very coherent, and I, I, I see, I could see myself being able to retain all of this uh, uh, four weeks apart from issues. You know, hopefully there's no hiccups or anything. Maybe we get lucky, we get bi-weekly, I don't know. Uh, probably not on that. That's I don't think that's how Tom King does his his uh, maxi-series like this, but who, who knows? I don't know. I haven't looked into the release dates in depth, but that's where I land on this book. Uh, I gotta say it's five stars. I gotta say that I'm gonna be reading it week to week, uh, and that's just how I feel about it right now. You know, there's one issue in, but my 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 skepticism has uh, been proven wrong. Uh, I love it. it. It was great. I don't know who the fuck Adam Strange is, but I dig it. I want to know everything, so there we are on that. Um, Justice League. Justice League number, uh, what are we at? 42. So, alright. I was, uh, another book I was kind of, I've been kind of on the fence about, but, you know, despite my questions, I still find this book to be rather enjoyable. We're with Robert Venditti, Venditti, Aaron Lepresti, Matt Ryan, and David Barron. Uh, covered by Brian Hitch and Brad Anderson. Alright, so Batman and the team, he's working to get Wonder Woman back. Uh, old um, Madam Zandu, she, she teleported the team back, but unfortunately Wonder Woman was held behind, and Eradicator has her. Now Eradicator's plans with her, um, well, originally was just to kind of use her as a, a puppet and say, look what I got, bitch, I got one of your strongest warriors, we're, we're the shit on this public level, but he turns out, you know, he's scanning her and says, oh shit, you an apex being, you the shit, bitch, um, I'm gonna kill you, but not after I design a bunch of super soldiers out of you, so, uh, that's what's gonna happen now. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's up to, uh, to Batman and crew to kind of bring a team, or bring a plan together. Well, this plan heavily involves Barry. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and say that this is the first time that I found Barry Allen to be a true fucking badass. Uh, now, if you listen to the podcast, I know there's a few people going, what? What are you talking, how is this the first? Um, you know, there's just some characters out there that I can't bring myself to love. Um, that are loved like so many, you know, Wonder Woman's one of them, Captain Marvel's one of them, um, The Flash is one of them, but the way that Venditti and crew did Flash in this book was so fucking badass and metal. Essentially, the idea is, is that, um, Barry is going to, uh, speed his way up to Eradicator and crew, uh, punch them all in the face really fast, get their attention, and then send them on a chase around the world. And as he's being chased around the world, doing his best not to die, and he has plenty of close calls. They catch up a couple of times, but he manages to ziggy-zaggy out of there, and then he takes them through this portal without their knowledge, and this portal leads to a place far enough from Yellow Sun to where they are not nearly as empowered as they are on, say, Earth, where the Yellow Sun gives them power, and there's plenty of Yellow Sun on Earth, we all know this. Well, and then boom, uh, Barry Allen at this point feels like he could pretty much whoop whoop the uh, uh, the well, what are their names? Um, the Advanced Legion, um, led by the Eradicator, all by himself. But doesn't have to because the Justice League arrived through that portal not long after, and now the Advanced Legion is cornered. I find that to be very good storytelling. I really did. I I, I loved it. I I thought it was brilliant. I I wish, <laughs> I uh, man, that was cool. That was really really cool. I I, I 
I'm gonna keep gushing about it, but I'm not. I'm not. I promise. Read it for yourself. There's so much more to get out of that. All right, let's talk Batman. Let's talk some Batman. Batman number 90, James Tinian IV, Jorge Jimenez, and Tomal Moray. Covered by Jorge Jimenez and Tomal Moray. All right. Uh, right off the bat, we get a little bit of a we get a little bit of comedy. Uh, it doesn't really play too f- much into this particular issue of the story, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to lead to something else later on. Eventually, what it uh, essentially is what I mean to say is Harley Quinn is in Deathstroke's earpiece, trolling him and the rest of his little crew. Let him know that bitch, we got gotcha. you, we got gotcha, you, motherfucker. Mr. Mr. B, as in Batman, is all up in this motherfucker, and he, yeah, duh, yeah. And then we just cut over to the bulk of the story. And that is Bat working with the cat. And then Cat essentially just spills the beans and tells Bat the entire plan about the designer. All the, you know, and then we get the, the, the origin of the meeting between Batman and Catwoman and Riddler and Joker and all this shit. Now, this meeting is the origin saying, look, check it out. Um, uh, I, I, I went against the greatest detective way back in the day, and it was this whole thing. Essentially, he was the Joker of back in the day. Is kind of the idea we get. It doesn't say the Joker, but that's the idea you get. He was ba- uh, the, the not the Batman, but the detective of his era, which is seems to be 40s, 50s ish. Uh, at least that's the kind of vibe I'm getting. It's not not certain. Don't don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, so uh, he's he's saying, look, I. I Y'all, y'all got your own deals, and you're all very good at it, and I feel like if we could all bring this together, you know, I, I know enough about everything that's going on. I'm, I'm essentially the world's greatest detective at this point in time, and keep in mind, this is all a flashback. Uh, you know, Batman's just kind of getting started. This, this isn't year one era, but, you know, it's it's still... It's, it's back in the day, and you can tell by the costume changes and all that stuff, they do a good job of really making you realize it's a flashback without having to, to sh- you know, just really ram it down your throat. So, um, uh, every, each individual villain has their own meeting with a designer, and they come up with a future plan to, you know, be the best they could possibly be at the trait that they do. So Catwoman plans an ultimate heist, and Penguin plans a blah blah blah, and Riddler plans a blah blah blah. But the meeting with Joker sets designer off, and the designer just comes out of that room just a fucking guns a blazing and Joker comes up behind designer and blasts him in the fucking head. So at this point in time, we kind of get I Know What You Did Last Summer vibe. Now that designer's back, knowing that he has been deaded at one point in time, he's back, and everyone else is like, oh shit, thought we buried him. I thought we fucking buried this whole secret, blah, blah, blah. Well, now the designer's back, and he has knowledge of all of their plans combined, and, well, as this is all being brought to light, Batman realizes that Catwoman's greatest heist at that time would be to take down the most wealthy family in Gotham, and that would be Wayne Manor. So Batman immediately says, fuck you, bitch, we're going to talk about this later, but in the meantime, Designer is about to take down my wealth and everything I have, and that, that's my superpower. I'm rich, bitch. So, fuck, man. Batman 90 still dope as shit. Is James Tinian becoming DC's greatest writer? Possibly. Quite fucking possibly. If you're not reading Batman at this point, or you dropped it because Tom King's not writing it, and you didn't give it a chance, and you're only collecting the issues because, you know, speculation's sake, shame on you. This is Batman, man. Batman, man? Batman storytelling at its best, baby. 
Let's talk Marvel. Marvel Comics. Let's talk Strange Academy. Some Strange, Strange Academy. Um, hmm. Scotty Young, Umberto Ramos, and Edgar Delgado. Covered by Ramos and Delgado. At least that's the one I picked up. Obviously, there's going to be some variants on this one. Alright, we're really, we're getting some introductions to these characters. I'm not going to go too in-depth on all this, but, um, yeah, we've, we've, we've got a, we've got a handful, that's for sure. Emily Bright is the first character that we see. Uh, she's kind of being the one introduced into the Academy, and it's already been established, and she's got all these powers. She's very ignorant to the capabilities, as a young magic user would be, but apparently she's, like, really powerful. I don't know. So she goes to the academy and she meets Zelma Stanton, and uh, you know, well, she's actually being recruited by Zelma Stanton, who is a, a young recruiter. But you know, she's kind of used as the like, hey, you know, I'm I'm your age almost, so we can relate. But in the meantime, follow me. We'll be cool together. That whole type of vibe. You know, you get it. It's like having young recruiters for for the military and shit. It helps it helps uh helps them relate. Um, so, uh, the, she's taken him, Zelma's taken Emily to the school, and she realizes it's located off of Bourbon Street. Why is it located off of Bourbon Street? Because Bourbon Street's weird, yo, and where there's magic, there's weird. So they're able to blend in just a little bit easier. And I found that to be just a, uh, brilliant and hilarious. Good job, Scotty. I loved it. <laughs> uh, let's see how much he knows about Bourbon Street. I know nothing, but I'm, I'm curious to see how many, uh, little Easter eggs he throws in there. Or even uh, Ramos or Delgado. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Delgado as a colorist could throw in a whole lot of Easter eggs, but you get the point. Um, so yeah, well, they, well, they get to the school and they meet Shaylee Moonpetal, who is this pixie. And we meet, uh, we don't eat, we meet Eric and Alexi, who are, El, El, I'm sorry, uh, Alvi. Eric and Alvi, they are Asgardians. They're young Asgardian magic users. Then we meet Guslog, who is a frost giant. And, uh, he, it, she, I don't know, I can't tell, uh, it, it is transported, uh, through a portal via Loki, who is, in fact, another magic user, so it's kind of, you know, we got some Asgardians, and we got Loki, and we got a, a frost giant there, so there's a little bit of, hmm, this is kind of weird bro type of thing. Uh, <laughs> and then we got probably the most intriguing character to me, and that's Doyle Dorm Dormammu, and that is, in fact, Dormammu's son, so... Um, everybody's all paired up as roommates in some very, uh, I don't know what the word, there's a fucking TV reference, what's it called, uh, odd couple, odd couple type of manner, you know, you think Asgardian twins get paired up, no, not so much, it's like Gooselog and Eric and then Doyle and, uh, Alvi or something along those lines, it's just, yeah, the people that would hate each other all get paired up, you know, I think that's a good tactic, it's a good tactic. Now, especially when you got powerful motherfuckers like Ancient One and Mindful One and Brother Voodoo all running this bitch. With guest teachers that will appear, such as Hellstrom and Nico Benoru and Scarlet Witch and Magic and Shaman. And all this is explained in the opening kind of, uh, I don't want to say ceremony, but induction. I don't know what the fuck, uh, how do you do, whatever. Well, and then someone says, well, how is this, where's, where the fuck is Doctor Strange? How are we not, how, we're at Strange Academy. How is Doctor Strange not a teacher? And Brother Dude is like, well, Brother Doodoo? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brother Voodoo's, <laughs> God damn it. Brother Voodoo, uh, he's, uh, he, well, as a matter of fact, 
watch the fuck out. And then, boom, monster through a portal. And Strange is fighting it. And he says, hey, what's up, motherfuckers? Hey, if you want to see what you're really about, help me fight this monster. And they all magic up. And you start, they're pew-pew-pewing with their little pew pew pews And the monster goes down. And Strange says, yeah, bitch, I'm here. This is what the fuck's happening. And uh, good job on the monster fight. Welcome to Strange Academy, motherfuckers. So there you go. I dig it. I dig it very much. Um, you know, Ramos is definitely doing his Ramos style with the art. And Scotty Young, ah, oh man, I tell you what, I think I actually, I think I like his, uh, his writing more than his art now, to be honest. I don't know, that's kind of a bold statement, but that's, that's just kind of where I've been landing lately. You know, I love Deadpool, I love Middle West, and Strange Academy was a good first start. I almost passed on this, and I thought, you know what? Young's track record as a writer has been pretty good lately, so let's do this. And you know what? It's on there. Full time, baby. Daredevil. Daredevil number 19. Alright. Um, this is legacy numbering. Hang on here. Yeah. Uh, six... What am I got? 631. Wow. So Chip Zarsky. Marco Kiketo is back, bitches. And, uh... Yeah. Um, hmm. Gotta love it. So, uh, Bullseye and Rhino and Bullet, they're terrorizing Hell's Kitchen. They're sent by the Owl, and this is just kind of the message that he's sending to, uh, the, the, you know, the, the mob family whose name I didn't write down in my notes, forgive me. And then, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a Kingpin who's getting fucked over and all this. He's just got to sit back with his thumb up his ass, unfortunately, at this point, because he can't, you know, he can, uh, you know, now let's, let's face it. If Kingpin wanted to, he could fuck all of them up. But he's really trying to be a good mayor, and he's not trying to tarnish that. And there's no way that he could fuck them up while being good. So, and it just kind of is what it is there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, shit's getting terrorized. But there's there's these mock daredevils running around out there. And, you know, thankfully, uh, one of them has a very, very, very unique... Or not unique, um... Ah, uh, fuck. Hmm. Uh well done costume let's put it that way it's almost spot on if you will so um uh, i'm trying not to use this word uh conveniently is unfortunately gonna have to be the word i use though conveniently enough this motherfucker dies right around the time daredevil is getting really fucking pissed that he's losing so at this point in time he puts on that mask of that dead mock daredevil and matt murdoch he's He's ready to take down Bullseye and all them bitches face to face. Now, I will want to go on the record and say, and this just goes to prove that my, 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 the bad guys that I love are the best for a reason. Now, Kingpin was mentioned in this book very lightly, but, you know, he's, uh, and I already touched on the fact that why he's such a, you know, he's such a badass character is he could easily take him down, but he's trying to not be a fucking bad guy. So he's just, he's just taking a step back. Let's face it. Uh, in another issue's more issue length time, I'm sure he'll he'll figure out a way to fucking be the badass and be good at the same time. That's just how good of a character he is. Now, the other thing I want to touch on is Rhino. Yes, Rhino has been brought into this, and initially when I saw him behind the crew that I did, anytime I see Rhino, I automatically get pumped. But the thing is, is the last time I've been reading Rhino, he's actually been kind of borderline not so bad. He was decent in Spider, and you know the Amazing Spider-Man run and the arc that he was in there. He was decent in the Miles Morales arc. 
so yeah, I, you know, and once again, one of my favorite villains that's just kind of maybe not so bad, just a little misunderstood, but fully capable of fucking some shit up. Well, my point is that Rhino in this, he's with some bad dudes, but he's actually kind of refraining a bit. He does go on to say that I like smashing shit, but I'm not into smashing people. That ain't cool. So he's just kind of... I don't know, I kind of got the, uh, <laughs> anybody that saw Endgame, I'm sure, I think like four or five people saw it, I don't know, uh, there's the point where, you know, Hulk, they go back in time and say, so you gotta be convincing, and he's just kind of, uh, smash, mm, and he's not really all that into it, it's kind of the, the same type of vibe that I'm getting, I don't know, that's just where I'm at on that, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's Daredevil, you know, it's, there's not a whole lot to talk about it, really, as far as, you know, what happens in the book, it's very straightforward. It's some shit getting fucked up and some motherfuckers getting mad that shit's getting fucked up and shit's about to get done about it. Uh, that's just, you know, how Zarski's telling the story. But I gotta say that Kaketo's fucking art in this is, oh, he's so back. How is he not? Oh, man, he's so goddamn good. Uh, carrying on. Carrying on. Let's let's plow forward to the sea. Out to the sea. Marauders. Marauders number nine. Jerry Duggan. Matteo Loli and Edgar Delgado, covered by Russell Dalterman and Matthew Wilson. Alright, we got a little pyro action here. Pyro, he done got himself injected, injected by a yellow jacket, and that is the same shrinking yellow jacket from the Ant-Man world, and yeah, he's all up in Pyro's bloodstream, and he has been, uh, fucking, what's the word, um, I guess, commissioned? That's not really the right word, but paid to transmate the transmit the audio visual some audio visual from you know Pyro you know part of the Marauders team and that's so that the whole minds of Arindi, this this group of um, mutant Hayden prick fucks uh, can get a little more insight as to what's going on you know they've been tracking their uh, their or not tracking but uh, heisting their their load. And, you know, finally, fucking, yeah, some shit, whatever. Well, the fact is, is that, you know, they've been found out, and, uh, uh, unfortunately for Pyro, when Yellowjacket realizes he's been found out, he expands, and when you're in somebody's bloodstream and you just explain the full size, um, Pyro went splatty poop. He's dead, but fear not, he'll be back in just a couple of panels. Because that's how this X-Men universe works, baby. I love the fact that you could just kill these motherfuckers all the time and they just keep coming back. I think it's so brilliant. That's just the masochist. I mean, I guess it's not a masochist if you like to see other things get fucked up, but you see what I'm saying there. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, unfortunately, once uh, Yellow Jacket gets, gets, you know, regular-sized, Emma Frost is there. And she gets pum-pumed right in the fucking face. Unfortunately, it was an accident, but what are you going to do? Well, she gets reborn again. So now Pyro and Emma, they're on a mission. They're on a mission to uh, infiltrate a Verendi meeting and really just kind of set ex- an example of what the fuck the Marauders are all about. And you can only imagine what that example is. Um, I'll leave it to the imagination, or you could just fucking see for yourself and read the goddamn book. Uh, I know, I, I guess I do kind of lay this this uh, disclaimer down every podcast. Uh, I'm not all about, you know, ruining the books for everybody. I still want to leave. There's lots to be uh, enjoyed still, despite, you know, no matter how deep I go into a book. You know, this, this is an audio format, and podcasts are 50% visual, so there's still lots of other shit to enjoy, too. 
But with that being said, there's still lots of stuff that I like to kind of leave to the imagination and uh, maybe appeal one to go pick up this book if they have not yet. Or maybe I'll just fucking tease you and I'll tickle you with a little feather there and get you all into it. Mm, yeah. Yep. Okay, so that's that's that the disclaimer's over. Let's let's carry on. <laughs> um, well, that's really the end of most of this this issue to be honest, but there is there's a little uh um, epilogue at the end and it is Lockheed. Lockheed has uh, kind of been adopted out in Madripoor. We got a little girl, a little little girl Madriporian, if you will. All tucked, nestled in with Lockheed, the little baby dragon, in bed. But Lockheed, in the cutest of manners, oh, fuck, so goddamn cute, goes out and he just kind of tucks uh, old what's-her-little-doesn't-matter name and, and flies away, but comes back with a little fish. And uh, without, not before taking the bite off of its head, leaves the fish body without the head, or maybe vice versa, whatever. Uh, on the pillow of the little girl's a little thank you note, and tucks her in a little bit more and carries off out to sea. And one can only imagine that Lockheed is out to to get get some you know, some kitty pride action, man. Back to his, his little lady. Oh man, Lockheed the Dragon. Winning me over, baby. Winning me over. Actually, I wasn't a huge, uh... It's not that I wasn't a huge fan, but I was ignorant to the, the, the gloriousness that was, has been Lockheed until Jerry Duggan's run on Marauder. God damn. I fucking love this book so much. Duggan's a beast, man. Duggan's a beast. I don't... Uh, gotta keep going with this. Gotta keep going. I hope he does. Uh, let's Let's keep this podcast going. Let's talk Savage Avengers. Savage Avengers number... 11. So Savage Avengers. Jerry Duggan, once again. Butch Guise and Alex Guimaras. Probably saying it wrong, but sorry. Covered by Valerio Giordano and Frank Dermada. Whew, my tongue. Alright. So Strange just got done banging Electra, and he's explaining to her... Look, here are all the locations of the eyes of Agamotto. Now, um, these are the things that Kulan Goth, that weird wizard that has we've been following for the last ten issues, that ultra-powerful sorcerer, he's, he needs these eyes. Um, now, the locations. The first one, um, well, well, let's start with the third one. The third one... Now, these are actual eyes of Agamotto, and the third one being Agamotto's third eye, and that's the one that Strange possesses. Has it? Got it. Good. You know, that's the one that kind of sees the future and past and time and all that shit. It's the third eye. The second, well, the second has just been lost in time, and that's just whatever. Uh, but the first, that's, that's, uh, that's being possessed by an Asgardian dragon. So there we have it. Now... Um, the, the, we know that, you know, it's fucking, uh, it's, it's time for Strange to kind of get a little bit more insight as to what's going on with Kulan Goth. So he, he's, thanks to that battle, that bloody battle, there's a little bit of blood on his cloak. And because apparently there's a lot of magic behind blood that science can't touch, Strange in his astral ways travels through the uh, blood <laughs> and is able to kind of get a real uh, origin story of the sorcerer of um, um, the sorcerer that is 
Kulan Goth, and it dates back to him being a youngin, and he approaches the Sorcerer Supreme and says, I want you to, you know, train me, and the Sorcerer Supreme at that time, Mekri Ra, says, nah, bitch, and, well, uh, Kulan Goth just eats his fucking face, and he becomes a cannibal, and that's really the origin of his shittiness, and, you know, fucking Strange realizes all this, and comes back and says, okay, yep, nope. I was uh, wrong, and I need Conan to defeat Kulan Goth, and yep, there we are on that one. I fucking love this book so much. The art is so badass. Even though the artists keep changing, it's all still, it almost, it, you can hardly tell. You know, it still all dates back almost to looking like Mike Diodoto's work, so you gotta, you gotta hand it to him on this, you know, fucking recruiting artists that could pull off similar styles. It's a beautiful fucking thing. That's uh, Savage Avengers number 11. Oh, it's time for the Marvel event of the winter, baby. Uh, Iron Man 2020. Iron Man 2020 number 3, to be precise. Oh boy, am I still liking this book? I am. I am, thanks for asking. Dan Slott, Christos Gage, and Pete Woods still killing it. Pete Woods still killing the cover A's. Lots of variants to choose from, too. I'm not judging you on those variants. There's some good ones. But I'm perfectly content with the the uh, A covers there. So what's happening here is the Machine Smith. He's heading out this robot resistance, calling to arms all machines of all kinds, whether you're a toaster or a fucking warbot. Come together and let's uh let's uprise against the fleshies, because Arno Stark, leader of the fleshies, uh, or self-proclaimed. He's got himself an operating system that he plans on broadcasting to upload to all of the the robots out there that are essentially going to you know, hand over all, erase all free will and become uh, part of his super army. And the point of the super army is to take out this uh, this this extinction entity that he's so adamant is about to come and fuck shit up. So apparently, this is actually nothing new. Um, this uh, this extinction entity is slightly touched upon in previous uh, like a 2012 arc I believe is what it was of Iron Man. So yeah, no, it's cool how they're kind of bringing this back and turning it into a whole event. I was not aware of that, you know, even as an Iron Man reader. Uh, whoops, missed that. So this is cool. Learn something new there. It makes me want to go back and read that now. That's what I love about fucking comics, man. When they bring shit that was just barely touched upon to light what, almost a decade later, <laughs> eight years later, whatever it is, is badass, so, well, um, where we left off was, uh, Tony, or he's not Tony, as he doesn't like to be called Tony, it's Mark One. uh, he's facing off against Arno, which is now Iron Man, but unfortunately, Ar uh, Arno is just too much for Tony's very, uh, well, uh, weak armor, and Tony goes down, and he wakes up, and when he wakes up, he gets the whole, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore type of thing, or opposite of that, I'm back in Kansas, and he sees his fucking parents hovering over him, mind-blowing, right, considering he thought they were dead, and we're talking the Stark parents, so he doesn't know that uh, Arno has brought his parents back with his, you know, weird ways, you know, that's a whole, I, I'm not gonna get into how, that's just something, yeah, but just know that it's a possible thing. Same way that Tony brought himself back, or so he thought. Um, he didn't know that he was just going to be an AI version, but, you know, the, the, the Starks are, are aware of that. They're cool with it. But, unfortunately, it's Mother Bard and Arsenal from that whole um, arc 
that that were you know kind of put into that body. So they're not so great people. And Tony, or sorry, Mark One realizes that, and he's trying to tell Arno, "Look, dude, not so cool. This is fucked up. This is way bad." And then Arno says, "Look, dude, why don't you just join me and help you know to build my army?" And Tony says, "Well, okay." Uh, you have my ear. What, what, what's the big deal? Okay, I'm here. Tell me what's up. And he says, the extinction entity and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Mark One's not about it. He's kind of on the fence. Before you can flat out say no, um, well, Bane Tower, the place that they're at, is under attack. The robot resistance has arrived and shit's getting fucked up. Now, uh, Mark One, he escapes, and his, his number one priority is to stop this operating system from broadcasting and uploading, and, you know, and it's just fucking up the whole plan. So Herbie, thankfully, and we all know Herbie from the Fantastic Four, that little robot, he's kind of been, like, the, the second main character of this entire arc, which is pretty cool, actually. So get your Herbie pops now, man. Let's make that happen. <laughs> um, well... You know, Tony's doing his thing, he's trying to fucking, uh, you know, prevent the, the broadcast from happening, and then Arno shows up, and he's getting ready to blast him, but thankfully, Herbie shows up first, and he blasts the fuck out of Arno, and Tony dismantles Arno's plan. Unfortunately, Arno gets back up, because, let's face it, he is Iron Man. Sorry. Oh, fuck. I hate saying anybody this Iron Man that's not Tony Stark. Uh, or I guess Victor Von Doom, that was pretty cool, but, ugh, Ar Arno Stark is Iron Man. Ugh, don't like it. And then, I don't, I don't mean that against the writing at all, it's just, uh, I, it's, it's supposed to be cringy on purpose, I think. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. So, um, yeah, well, unfortunately, he gives, oh, he gives Tony, or sorry, Mark One, a good old blast, and, and he's down. That's it. Uh, fucking done for. That, 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 that's... That's fucking it. So, we know at this point, you know, these, these, these Stark bodies, these are, uh, fuck, dude, very disposable, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. This is mind-blowing. I don't know what to think of this, and that's what I, uh, I think that's what I loved about it the most, is I don't know what to think of this. I know there's, this is only halfway through the event, so, <laughs> this is so good for me. Um, but, you know, there's a tie-in this week. There's a tie-in that picks up right where this one lef left off. And I almost made the mistake of reading this one first. But, uh, you know, I did not. Because I read the title page that says this takes place after issue 3 of Tony Stark Iron Man. No, Tony Stark Iron Man. Jesus Christ. Iron Man 2020. So, um, this the, the, the book in talks here is 2020 Rescue, number 1. Now, this is Pepper Potts to the rescue. Dana Schwartz, Jason Burroughs, and Pete Pantazis, covered by Paco Medina and Jesus Arbitrov. All right, so Pepper, the idea is to retrieve Tony's parents' DNA. She's aware that Tony, he did, or at least that body. I keep saying Tony. I'm going to, I know, I'm going to, but I'm also tired of saying sorry and correcting myself and saying Mark 1, so I'm going to say Tony, because it's not like there's another Tony out there, at least at the moment. So I know I'm going to be uh, politically incorrect with my uh, nomenclature here, but deal with it. So, uh, I probably should have done that way back before I said sorry 15 times in the last overview. My bad. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, Pepper's just like, well, what if we just got some DNA from his parents? You know, let's go get some fucking, uh, some, some dingleberries from their butts, or maybe some toenail clippings, or some earwax, or a piece of hair or something, I don't know. 
Um, she didn't say all those things. She only mentioned like a couple of them. Uh, it was, it was oddly, it was the gross ones that she mentioned. Though. Uh, is that true? Read for yourself to find out. So, uh, she goes to visit old Amanda, who is in the studio with some students, and in the studio, I mean, magic studio, it's just they're throwing down. But unfortunately, uh, they're, they're actually being held hostage. They're not really throwing down. Not like they should be, because the machines are, you know, sentient it now, and they're alive, and they're fucking transforming out. And, uh, yeah, they say, bitch, teach us music. <laughs> so that's what's going on there, but thankfully Pepper Potts to the rescue. She subdues the machines, and uh, she takes Amanda back to her house in comfort and says, okay, you know, you know, I'm going to try to convince you now, and blah, blah, blah. So we could get some convincing to, to give her some toenail clippings and... You know, Amanda's not really having it, but, you know, uh, right on cue, uh, a bunch of fucking drones show up to her house, uh, claiming Hydra, somehow, and boom, fucking attack, right? So the house is getting blowed up, and Amanda and uh, Pepper are on the run. It's rescue, though, so they're cool. And they're running, and they're running, and they're running, but there's just way too many fucking drones. It's just, it's just it's way too many. Uh, but thankfully, all the kids... All them kids from that class, they, they run out of the studio with the, 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 the music equipment and the, 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 the whatever, and apparently they perfected this high-frequency blast uh, conveniently. I dig it. I'm cool with it. I like comic book convenience sometimes. This is cool. This works. Um, especially when we're dealing with the fact that these machines are able to do things not normal things are at this point, so if they're working together, I would imagine, I don't know, that's cool, right? So, yeah, and that, that's, that, it's essentially an EMP that takes down all of these drones. And then Amanda, uh, she gets hurt, she does get hurt, you know, she gets a little fire, or, you know, fucking crossfire, uh, cause there are fucking dozens and dozens and, I mean, it almost looks like about a hundred drones to just those two. Um, I could sit and count, but it feels like about a hundred. Um, and, uh, yeah, so as Amanda's getting, you know, wheeled off safely in an ambulance, um, she says, here, here's my hair. Thanks for not taking it out of my hairbrush and waiting around for me, and I trust you to, you know, bring back our Tony and bloody bloody blah So that's what's going on. Uh, once again, you know, uh, you know here's the thing. Was this, uh, I, there was actually one thing I did forget to mention, and it's actually probably the best thing about the book, is the, uh, all of these, you know, uh, Stark suits have some sort of AI in them. Well, the AI that's uploaded into um, Peppers is called Happy, and it's, uh, uh, it's an acronym for Hosted Analog Program Pre-Y2K. So the thing is, is that because this, this program was um, created pre-year 2000, apparently it's got some things in it that makes it unable to be controlled and taken over, which is, you know, the fail-safe as to why she's able to continue on with this armor this whole time for anyone going, well, how come the armor just doesn't uprise against fucking Pepper? Well, that's what's going on there. So, um, and I love the, you know, it's Happy. Happy in comics was Pepper's hubby, so there you go. Uh, but he did. Um, yeah, uh, these, the, the tie-ins have all been great. They continue to be great. Uh, and I actually feel like this is a very vital, vital tie-in to this run. At first, I wasn't feeling it until the end, you know, and then I started realizing that, shit, if we're going to bring back Tony, then, 
you know it's it's pepper to the rescue so it's perfect there are some great marvel books this week there really was um I'm, I'm proud of marvel again for pulling out quality i know that you know a lot of people can criticize marvel's as too many but hey i read you know i'm gonna count them one two three four five five great five or six great marvel books you know and there's uh the the ones that i picked up there's the only reason i don't talk about them is because I, I think i just because i didn't read them we'll talk about that in the honorable mentions that we'll get to that let's talk independence independent comics oh, my favorite thing about comics the most underappreciated thing about comics um i'm not gonna go on a rant let's just talk about him baby king of nowhere number one w maxwell prince tyler jenkins and hillary jenkins i'm gonna go ahead and preface preface fuck by saying w maxwell prince if you're not familiar he's the guy that's doing the ice cream man that just got picked up but i think it's quibi or something like that it's a small streaming service but it's gonna be doing some oh it's film baby it's gonna be on tv and the i mean that's from ice cream man so we know that w maxwell prince can do horror but god damn does he really flex again in this one and i'm gonna go ahead and say this really feels a lot like fear and loathing in las vegas it, it really does and i'm so cool with that so our main character is dennis and he's in a dream or a trip or he's not sure you know he does drugs a lot so he's this could very well be a thing and he also hasn't been sleeping well so he could be dreaming so he's in this town called uh, North Waharic, but, you know, when you erase a few letters, it comes out to be nowhere, conveniently. So, yeah, you see where this is going? Well, he's he's in a bar in nowhere, and, he, well, he gets in a fight, and he gets arrested, and he's in the, the, the sheriff's office, and he's talking to him, and, you know, the sheriff essentially says, well, you know, I, I like you. Why don't you help me? go on and take on this case here that I just got called to, and this case is just no ordinary case, there's a bunch of giant fucking iguanas, and he's starting to realize that I should not be tripping or dreaming anymore, and the, the, the sheriff at this point is trying to assure him, he's like, nah, boy, this is very real, this is very real, so, uh, but he's, he's still kind of on the fence, I don't know what the fuck's going on here, I'm digging it, I'm digging the shit out of it, but, you know, he helps kill the fucking giant iguanas, and, yeah, but then we, we get ourselves an antagonist, and this motherfucker, he, he reminds me very much of Anton Chigurh from uh, No Country for Old Men. He's just got this nail gun, and he goes through and he fucking just plugs this, this deer character known as John Doe right in the fucking head. Oh, man, I can't say... So beyond the fact that this book is trippy as shit... Um, the thing that makes it really as trippy as it is, beyond the crazy storytelling and questions that occur, uh, intriguing questions, mind you, it's the art and colors by uh, the Tyler and Hillary Jenkins. It's, it's, it's so fucking good. It's very unique. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to explain. It almost kind of reminds me of Martin Morazzo from Ice Cream Man, but still very, very unique to their own style. Uh, it's, it, oh my god, this book is, this is going to be the next big horror book you watch. Mark my words. Read King of Nowhere. Pick it up if you haven't already. You're fucking missing out. Let's talk Farmhand. Oh man, I got some things to say about Farmhand. Um, <laughs> all good things. All good things. Rob Guillory and Rico Renzi, uh, covered by Rob Guillory. All right. <laughs> 
Monica Thorne, we're getting a little bit more back history of her. You know, I have a lot of fucking notes on this, so I'm going to try to really condense this and still give some intrigue on this book. Part of me almost didn't want to overview it because I was afraid I was just going to do this whole thing, so I'm going to try to refrain from that. Uh, <laughs> Monica Thorne, she's a Katrina 2 survivor, and that ex that that's kind of explains her, her need for, you know, her, her new appendage or her, her healing, if you will and her doing what she does to try to heal herself, sparking the, the, the split between her and Jedediah Jenkins. Um, now, uh, as she's in the hospital room recovering from Katrina too, she hears the voice of what they consider God, and this has kind of been the thing guiding her doing her evil ways the whole time, because this godlike character, when we actually get a splash page of it, is very uh, not godlike, very demonic, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so at this point, you know, Zeke, he has, he, he, he's able to get Monica's former assistant from back in the incident, you know, to be around, help out with all, everything. Uh, the kids are, you know, fucking around with him. They show him Gumbo, the weird, uh, veggie dog, veggie pug. <laughs> and, you know, things to be talked about, right? Well, uh, meanwhile, Zeke, he's visiting uh, Michael, or Mikhail, which is Riley's friend, Riley being one of Zeke's son, and he was the motherfucker that was actually terrorizing town. Uh, I didn't make that connection in the last issue, so obviously there's some questions to be had. Zeke's a little worried, like, fuck, what are you doing, running around with my son, you little prick? Well, and then the, the kid, he's talking about how he has these hallucinations, and he kind of describes a character that could be, potentially be Monica Thorne, which it is. And, uh, yeah, well, then we go back to Uncle Randall, and Uncle Randall, at this point, decides it's time to spill the beans to Zeke on everything, and, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, lots of, like I said, there's so much going on here. Uh, fucking May and Andy, they, 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 you know, uh, Zeke's wife and sister, they do a little fucking infiltration into Thorne's home, and try to obtain some samples of some shit, and, you know, they get fucking attacked by this motherfucker named Julian, and he a former associate, maybe, I don't know, but he's all vegetative and super powered out, and, you know, thankfully, May and Andy are able to run away, and then, uh, you know, uh, fucking uh, Uncle Randall witnesses Zach, or Zeke collapse, and, you know, he's all fucking twitchy and getting all veggied out, and it looks like something's taking over, and it's fucking, uh, it's, it's all coming together, especially when the final the final confrontation is Thor um, Monica Thorne and Jed face-to-face -face as, you know, Thorne seems to be burning a bunch of uh, evidence. So, hmm, intriguing stuff. Farmhand's almost done with the, uh, the, the, the third arc, which would be the halfway point. So, oh man, I know there's going to be a big gap soon, so I'm just trying to absorb all of it that I can. If you're not reading Farmhand, once again, an indie book that I cannot fucking recommend enough. It is beautiful storytelling so uh yeah that was issue number 14 all right let's wrap up these overviews in a big big way <sighs> my most anticipated book of 2020 has already arrived <laughs> the bar is high y'all the bar is high for the rest of the year uh outer darkness chew Number one is here. John Lehman, Rob Guillory, Afu Chan, all coming together. I got, um, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say I got both covers, the um, Guillory and the Chan cover, so bam. Now, keep in mind, this crossover takes place between issues 6 and 10 of Outer Darkness, and after number 60 and during number issue 16 of Chew. 
So, uh, <laughs> um, hmm. yeah, I'm not gonna give too much of it away here. Tony and Kobe, they're they're on a, they're they're out working. They're doing their thing. They're cornered by some maple mounties, and well, while they're super cornered, Tony refuses to fire, despite the fact that you know they're they're getting ready to attack them. He knows that they are fellow law enforcement agents. They're just kind of under some fucked up shit that this maple syrup is bestowed upon their, their brains. So, thankfully, they get beamed up into space by General motherfucking Satalis of the ship called Charon, or Sharon, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, Satalis and the rest of the crew, not uh, being, uh, you know, fucking... Oh, goddamn, how am I blanking on all the goddamn names? Uh, Captain Briggs and uh, what's his name? It'll come to me. But you get it. Uh, they're yeah. They they need some help, and the deal is is that you know they they're trying to form this alliance with this race called the Cybalaxians. Now there's a bit of a roadblock in the way, and the fact that they don't communicate unless it's through food. Now you see where this is going. Uh, they can use Tony's cybopathic ways to be able to get to them, and they could form the ultimate truce and treaty, and blah 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 blah. So that's that's what the fuck is going on here. Um, now as you know, the, the, everyone's settling in. Tony and Colby they're settling into space. Colby's going through. He hacks into one of the space tablets and hit with his you know cyborg mind, and he's flipping through, and you could see him enjoying all the the, the single issues <laughs> of Chew. Um, but then you get to 60, and keep in mind, super spoilers here, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say this, uh, if you didn't read Chew, then, then turn it off right now, and go through and read all 60 issues of Chew, and then come back and read this, or listen to the rest of this podcast, but, uh, Chew, 60th issue, Kobe doesn't make it, because he dies in the 59th, and, yeah, ouch, right? So he doesn't see what Chu does in the 60th issue in the future. And that's, you know, stabbing that motherfucking goddamn chicken alien. Well, Kobe don't like that. Kobe don't play that. So, uh... <laughs> is this the, my first time saying that in all my Chu? I, don't, I hope not. I hope that's not the first time I say Kobe don't play that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's and then he, go, he rushes in and he confronts Tony and says, What the fuck, dog? Why'd you do that, yo? And boom. So that's issue one of three of quite possibly the greatest crossover ever known to mankind and comics and storytelling and entertainment in general. Boom, bitches. And I gotta say that Afu Chan drawing uh, Kobe and Tony felt so amazing. It did. It felt so fucking awesome. I was I was very anxious. This is by far the thing I was most anxious about. I knew the story was gonna be good. I knew the premise was gonna be good. It was all gonna be fine. But I was really curious to see who draws who and what universe and how every... Oh my god, it's so fucking good. Um, um, uh, if Chu 2 didn't already have an artist scripted, then... <laughs> and honestly, you know, Afu's already doing Outer Darkness with Layman, but... That, that would... That, that's, that's, a, that's a cool new style to the Chu universe. I fucking dig it, man. I dig the shit out of it. Uh, lived up to the standards easily, easily. This is fucking just amazing, amazing books. God damn, Chew's so good. Um, so th those are my overviews this week, y'all. Those are my overviews. 
before I get into the honorable mentions, I'm going to plug a fellow podcast from the hashtag Apodcalypse uh, podcast group that I am proud to say that I'm the creator and founder of. Um, so, yeah, uh, enjoy this along with another sponsor plug, and I will be back with the other portion of this yeah, podcast. Stay tuned. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jordan. And, and we're, we're the Grief Radio Podcast. Podcast. Do you want to listen to the number one gaming podcast on Podchaser? Of, of course, course you, you do. do. Wait, wait. Is that us? Did you check that? There's comedy, gaming, and movies. Join us every Wednesday on the Grief Burrito Podcast. Fuck. No, <laughs> oh, no, no. I'd <laughs> 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 Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez, and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting, music, all things geek, all under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out. And I'm back, just as I said I would be. Let's let's get to the last portion of this yeah, show. This is the honorable mention segment. Now the honorable mentions kind of speaks for itself, but I do have to kind of give the uh, um, disclaimer that if you're on the honorable, or if the book, not you, if the book is on the honorable mention segment, that's not a bad thing. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't worth talking about. Uh, I'll, I'll explain my reasoning as it goes on. So if, you, if, if this is a, a book that you're appalled I didn't overview, let's fucking cool it. I'll tell you why. <laughs> let's start with uh, Spider-Man Noir from Marvel. I picked up this book. Uh, honestly, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I fully intended on reading it so much as I wanted to just collect it. And, well, uh, partially for the cover as well, but we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, it's, I, I think, I, I dig the character, I'm just not sure I want to read that story is all. <laughs> I don't I don't really want the noir type of story, despite the fact that I like the character Spider-Man noir. I don't know, color me stupid. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 16. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm still collecting it, but I, I'll just, I'll, I'll read it here and there. This was just a big, thick week, and I was a little strapped for time, admittedly. That's the excuse I like to use the least, but unfortunately, that's just what it was. Uh, Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, uh, number four. So, uh, yeah, no, this is Doctor Strange continuing on. I read the first 19-issue arc. We'll see where the second part goes. I would imagine it goes about 12, uh, 10 to 12. We'll see. And then, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll start reading it towards the end, though, I, I would imagine, just so I could see where the next arc carries into. It's just a bu- I'm strapped for time, and Doctor Strange isn't a character I'm too invested in personally, but I do still respect, so I continue to collect the book, keep it on the shelf. Um, Excalibur, number eight, this is a Dawn of X book, so I have, I'm, I'm about five issues, or I guess about four issues behind, uh, but... Maybe I'll get to it. Maybe I won't. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't like to think that I'd drop it, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Miss Marvel number thirteen. This is another book. You know, I'm, I'm way behind on. Um, not a character I'm super invested in personally, but 
Uh, I do still want to have a run of hers in my collection because at this point in time, I do actually respect the character. This is a character I've kind of turned turned a, a cheek on. Yeah, uh, that's not the right phrase. Um, turned a leaf on? I don't know. Whatever. I went from liking her to, no, she's not so bad. So I, I respect her. I want to have a run, and we'll see what happens. And it just so happens a bunch of fucking key issues keep popping out of this run, so blah, or at least future potential key issues, we'll see. Um, on to some indies, we got some Toitles, some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, so this is uh, number 22 now, so eventually we'll get to the end of that whole that whole thingy. Um, I'm just more collecting it to have than anything. It's going to go 30 issues, and then yeah. Uh, Butcher of Paris, number 405. Uh... I'll, I'll read all five issues at once. That means that the podcast with uh, my good buddy Robert, who is an expert on the actual story, the true crime story itself, and really true crime <laughs> in general, um, uh, serial killers uh, uh, in particular, uh, he's he's gonna we're gonna talk all about Butcher of Paris, the comic, in comparison to the uh, uh, the. The, the actual happenings, the real, the real life, true crime story, and yeah, so I'm saving all this for one big binge read. I got the goon number nine. I know. Imagine me not reading the goon. Uh, here's the deal: is that um, I know this is me being kind of prejudgy, uh, but Eric, uh, not Eric Parsons. Fucking god damn it. Ah, uh, shit. The name's escaping me. I don't know why I can't think of names right now. Eric Powell. There we go. Um, he's not writing this book. <laughs> uh, at least at this point in time. He's taking a break to do kind of a cool crossover, secretly, that they're talking about. I don't know. But he's leaving it to Roger Langridge and Mike Norton and Marissa Luis to do this one. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. It just wasn't a priority this week because I've never read any goon that wasn't Eric Powell in some way, shape, or form, whether it was him illustrating or writing it or both. So, I'm a, frankly, I'm just a little nervous is all. And with the stack being thick, like I've said, just, just kind of didn't get prioritized. And that does it for my honorable mentions. So there's still some good stuff to be read that I didn't overview this week. So I, I, st I still recommend all that stuff, even if I didn't read it. Um, fuck it, I recommend it, whatever. Um, what does that say for my character? Probably not much. Let's talk wall books. This is the pretty stuff. This is the stuff I pick up just for cover appeal, baby. This is the stuff I like to hang on the wall. Hence the name, wall books. I got a few to talk about this week. One of them I already touched on, and that was the Spider-Man Noir. Um, whew, a fucking amazing, amazing cover. Amazing. It's not... I gotta, I gotta pull up the... Sorry, for whatever reason, the, uh, the name of this artist that I'm so fucking fond of has escaped me, and I didn't write it down. God damn it. Dave Raposa. Dave Raposa's doing these covers for this, and holy shit, man. I haven't seen his name on a comic book cover in a while, so I'm excited for that. Um, and well, I mean, I got it right here in front of me, so I really wish this was a virgin cover, but whatever, it's still beautiful. Um, Outer Darkness, uh, Chew. I got the, I got the variant. Of course you're gonna get the variant, if you're me. It's just how I roll. I love Rob Guillory, so I'm gonna get the Guillory variant. But the banger of the week, the one that's super sought after, it is Batman number 90. 
Uh, and that, that's Francesco Mattina doing a Riddler cover. As soon as I saw the solicit for this, when I got my FOC email, uh, I fell in love. This, this might be my cover of the year, actually, so far. I love it so fucking much. Green and purple always catch my eye. I love Mattina. He uses green so well. What better fucking, uh character to use green with in the Riddler, a character that I can't say I've actually seen Matina do yet. At least not as a major focal point off the top. I can't think off the top of my head. I want to say I have the majority of his comic book art, cover art, so... I don't know. I dig this fucking comic, so guys, this is going to be a tough one to beat. I know it's early in the year, but this is going to be a tough one to beat. So that's where I'm at on my wall books. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful stuff is going to be fresh hung down the walls that line Cerebro. Alright, let's talk my favorites. Uh, my most recommended. Now, I don't like to be judgy, but this is kind of where I judge books. But I'm judging the best of the best. The stuff that I've found to be the most appealing. And I do that on three levels. I do it on cover, I do it on interiors, uh, interior art to be specific, and just the overall story in itself. So I'm going to start with the cover, and this is obviously a no-brainer. Um, Batman number 90. And this is just a beautiful fucking cover. If you can't get it, then find someone to get it from. You, you can get it. You can get it if you try hard enough. Oh, you can get it. Might be hard, because, hmm, fuck, it's pretty. I don't know who wouldn't want this cover. God damn, is it good. Um, uh, yeah, so Francesco Mattina, he's a beast. Now, interiors this week. This was tough. I was back and forth, but when it came down to it, it was just because it would, turned out to be a combination tag team of brilliance. Um, I thought for a second as I was reading Daredevil, okay, this is surefire fucking interiors of the week. Kato's back. Kaketo, sorry, I stuttered the fuck out of that name. Kaketo's back. But here's the thing, so is Robert Guillory doing Chew. And to, to elevate things, spice things up even more, Afu-chan doing Chew. Guys, I mean, not, not to be vulgar or anything, but my pants are super fucking tight right now. Just every time I say it, my pants get tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm. All right, I'm there. So, <laughs> it's just, it was so beautiful to look at on top of the obvious amazing story that Layman laid out. Uh, so, yeah, I can get into all of that, but just read the back page, and he explains all that as to how, how he had all of this mapped out so well already. Mm, so good. All right. Now the story of the week. You know, I, I thought going into this that the surefire bet was going to be Outer Darkness Chew based off of bias, but it really came down to being surprised. And usually, a lot of times, my, my stories of the week do end up being a surprise, uh, at least to me. And that was Strange Adventures. Fuck am I goddamn in, in, into this book. I love it. You know, I know that I've been a little south on... South, is that a thing? Is that a way to describe something slightly negative? Probably not. I apologize, my listeners, to the South. Sour is what I mean to say. On Tom King, on account of how he, you know, left off the last little half of Batman and wasn't a huge fan of Heroes in Crisis and whatever. Um, but, 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 but. Strange Adventures. Ugh. This makes up for everything. 
And I'm not going to talk foul about Tom King. I, I, I won't. You know, I'll, I'll say that why Tom King, why? But I'll never talk foul, but fuck. This book is proof that Tom King really is a beast in comics. And he knows how to tag along some amazing artists along with him to help tell this story. You know, when I say story, I'm not just talking about the writer because 50% of comics is also the interiors as well. So with how uh, Garrods and Shaner came on and fucking tag teamed this up, and whew, my most recommended book of the week does go to Strange Adventures, uh, despite my my lack of <laughs> belief in it going into it. So fucking, I love being proven wrong more than anything, more than anything when it comes to comics. So there you have it. That does it. Um, I did not have the time to post a Facebook discussion this week. I will post something here in the Facebook group soon. Uh, if you're not privy to what that is, it's just a Facebook group that's dedicated to the Cheers to Comics and the Lovers of Comics and this podcast. So I talk exclusive stuff about the podcast on here. We get a little uh, pretty awesome community together. We, you know, and fucking. We have discussions, and they're mentioned on the podcast, and you can have your name mentioned on this podcast very easily just by taking part in one of those discussions um but yeah there you have it uh if you're really into this podcast and you can support it by you know becoming a patron patreon.com slash cheers to comics for as little as a dollar it shows me your 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 real love for this this show and the 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 love that i put into this podcast and it's it's all it's all affirmed uh, and I, I, I take the, the, the whatever tier you decide to join, whether it's a dollar, whether it's a super tier, like NSC Live TV becomes a real spot. At that point, you're a sponsor at $30 a month, which is my top tier. Um, I, I do special favors for you and back rooms for that. Uh, nothing sexual. Uh, uh, at least it hasn't been asked yet. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, don't get any ideas, NSC. It's not happening. So, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can support the podcast that way. It truly is appreciated. Um, but if you're not quite sold on that yet, but you still do want to show a little bit of love, not out of your pocket, but, um, you know, fucking these five-star reviews from the overlord that is Apple Podcasts, super fucking helpful. It really it lets this podcast grow like a Rita Repulsa monster from the Power Rangers. And, you know, you fucking, uh, it helps. I know it seems like a petty thing to do. And, but what, leave the five stars, but leave whatever feedback you want, though. You know, if you do have some real criti critical feedback, keep in mind when you leave the review, leave it five stars. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking actually take it to heart. And, you know, if I find it to be suitable, I'm fucking, I'll fucking say it. Um, I'll even read it on the podcast and I'll let people know, you know, I'm not afraid to read negative feedback, but I do say leave that negative feedback behind a five-star review. Um, because to be honest, you know, your negative comments never, never going to be noticed unless you actually rate it highly up. So that's just how it works. Sorry, fuckers. Um, yeah, negative has its tolls. <laughs> gotcha, bitches. So that does it. I thank you all for tuning in. Episode 70. Hard to believe episode 70. The fourth brought some bangers. Um, that does it. Y'all slurs, as always, support your local comic book store. Read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.